Good morning, everybody. Wow, what a wonderful God we serve. Today I want to look at a relationship, a relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church. And I'm going to be reading three scriptures in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, if you want to turn there. And I want to say a few things about this passage before I... Uh, get into the reading of it. Song of Solomon is commonly thought to be in two camps. It's either a picture of Jesus Christ speaking to and about the love he has for his church or a shepherd boy and his uh, young love bride. I particularly believe that it's easy to see this passage of scripture in either light. But I feel that the Lord gave this to me this morning in the light that this is Jesus speaking to his church. And since um, Matthew Henry, the great commentator, agrees with me 100% on this, he's actually one of the few that does, that's the light in which I'm going to present this word to you this morning that this indeed is Christ speaking about his love, his beloved, his church. The very first verse, very first 
few words, Jesus says, I am the Rose of Sharon. The Hebrew word for this is habasalet. I'm not Hebrew and I don't speak that language, so forgive me. But it is translated in this same term, the Rose of Sharon, here in Solomon chapter 2. And again in Isaiah 35.1. The translators may have used the word rose here, the rose of Sharon, to refer to the meaning of this word, habasalet. But it's really not a rose at all. It is not in the rose family at all. But it is a flower similar to what we might call a hibiscus shaped the same, not the same colorations, but in that family. Webster's Dictionary says that the Rose of Sharon is a hardy plant of the mallow family, and its name is Hibiscus syriacus, and it has white, red, pink, or purple flowers. Rose of Sharon is valued in different parts of the world for different things. It is native to Asia and India, and the flower is the source from which we get our spice, saffron. I did not know that. One prominent fact about Rose of Sharon is that every single part of the plant is edible. Its leaves its blossoms, and even its bark are all edible. It contains high levels of vitamin C and anthocyanins, which are antioxidants, good for the human body. In the very first line, as I said, we read, I am the Rose of Sharon. This matter-of-fact statement is in keeping with the many times and the many ways that Jesus referred to himself throughout scripture. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the living water, and I am the bread of life. The region of Sharon was a beautiful coastal plain situated on the Mediterranean Sea to the left and the country of Israel to the right. Caesarea was to the north, and Joppa was to the south. And in Solomon's time, this plain was famous for its ability to grow anything. And the Rose of Sharon was said to have grown in profusion there, and it was a thing of beauty to behold. Jesus, think about it. The, the sun of the highest and the bright and morning star planted his presence in the hearts of his people, opening up a way to be easily found. In Matthew 10, 39, in the Amplified Version, he says this, whoever founds, finds life in this world, this is the Amplified Version, Whoever finds life, his life in this world, will eventually lose it through death. And whoever loses his life in this world 
for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. He declared to us, I am your Rose of Sharon, confirming the sheer beauty and sweetness that we would find in him if we seek him. And he declared his love to his church. The very next statement that Jesus said is, I am the lily of the valleys. And as the lily among thorns, so is my love, the church, among the daughters. This is referencing that the church fashioned and modeled after him was planted and placed. He is the lily of the valley, but he placed us as a lily, a lily in the world among the thorns. Matthew Henry said this, as a lily among thorns, the church of Christ far excels all other societies, just as a rose bush excels a thorn bush. We reflect his beauty, his grace, his love, all while being planted among the thorns. He goes on, Christ doesn't love us any less for being scratched or even torn by the thorns in which we've been planted. But we must maintain our Christ-like purity and not become sin-filled, for that becomes a thorn in the flesh, much like the Canaanites were to Israel. But shortly, Henry said, the lily planted among the thorns will be transplanted out of this wilderness into that paradise where there is no more pricking and briars nor grieving thorns, as is said in Ezekiel chapter 24. And Jesus said, he is the lily of the valleys, plural, multiple valleys. To those who are in a valley, he is their peace, their salvation, because he offered himself to God, a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Lilies brought into this church many, many times emit such a strong fragrance and odor that those of us who happen to be allergic to flowers have to flee the room. They're such sweet-smelling fragrance. And the Bible says that Jesus offered himself as a sweet-smelling sacrifice, a savor to God for us in Ephesians 5.2. The third thing that I want to talk about that Jesus is to the church is our banner. Verse 4 says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Webster says that a banner is a long, horizontal piece of fabric, similar in shape to a flag, and it is used for making a declaration, establishing a rallying point, signifies unity and purpose of a nation, a tribe, or a family. We see banners commonly in Indian nations, 
and they are all different from one another. Countries fly their nation's banners or flags high and proud, and it signifies both their allegiance to and it marks their territorial boundaries. Ships fly the banner of the country of their origin, whoever sent them out to sea, and families bear their crests of identification. Many years ago, my grandparents did a genealogy uh, study kind of thing and found the Wilbanks family crest. I have it in a book in my filing cabinet. Verse 4 says that Jesus takes the church to the banqueting house. In Exodus 33, it's called the tabernacle of the congregation or the place of meeting where the interpretation of the law was given forth by the priests. And within that banqueting house or tabernacle of meeting or tabernacle of the congregation, he raised his banner over the tabernacle. It was a cloud of his presence then, and it is now in his presence that dwells among us that we felt here this morning so beautifully. His banner covers us. It protects us. It provides for us. It stakes his claim of ownership over us. And it gives us identity, his name, his lineage. Isaiah 10, 11 and 12 says that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner Jesus Christ will stand as a banner for people and nations to rally to him because he fights for those underneath his banner. The names of God include Je excuse me, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner of victory. In Exodus 17, chapter 15, the Lord told Moses, write down in a book and tell it to Joshua that he would completely remove all remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. So Moses built there an altar and he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner of victory. The church of Jesus Christ remains a sign to the world systems of God's glory, a banner of righteousness that is flown high upon the church, declaring the emblem of the lordship of our king, our Jehovah Nissi, and proclaiming his victory. And the fourth thing that I want to bring out today that Jesus Christ is to the church is our standard. Webster says that a standard is any figure, object, flag, or banner bearing an ensign or a sign that is raised up high on a pole, such as a symbol of a leader, a people, or a military unit. A standard can also be a basis for comparison, such as 
a ruler used for measurement or executing judgment. Isaiah 59.15 in the Amplified Bible says, So as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. That's the east. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For Jesus will come like a rushing stream, which the breath of God drives. I want to read that last portion again. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For Jesus will come like a rushing stream, which the breath of the Lord drives. When the church proclaims its allegiance to Jesus, that is, we fly the colors of his standard and we stand with him, his standards become our standards. And then his spirit, he doesn't say that we are the ones that raise the standard. It says the spirit of the Lord raises the standard of the Lord's righteousness in this earth. It takes boldness and faith and continual spiritual warfare from the church army, even in the face of evil and opposition to witness to the nations of God's standards against evil in the land. In battle, there were those who went before the armies with their standard raised high. And when they had won the victory, they planted their flag on the land that they had conquered. That's why, that's what Jesus Christ did when after his death, he rose again from the grave and he carried the keys to the kingdom of God in his hand and he planted the standard over death, hell, and the grave. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spectacle, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. I would take away from this today that Jesus is our Rose of Sharon. He is our peace and our lily of the valleys. He is our Jehovah Nissi, our banner and our protection. He is our standard, our measurement of righteousness. And we read again in, in Isaiah 59:19 that when the enemy comes in like a flood, there are many who argue that that uh, comma is misplaced, that it should be when the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For Jesus will come like a rushing stream, which the breath of God drives. Would you please stand with me this morning?
I'm going to pray this morning. I'm going to direct our prayer to Jehovah Nissi, our banner of love. Solomon 2.4 said, and his banner over me was love. Always, everything he does on our behalf is because he loves us. We can't forget it. We can't forget the beauty and the sweetness that he is as our Rose of Sharon and the peace and the tranquility of the lily of our valley. And so we need his covering. Oh, we need his covering and his banner of victory and love on our life's battlefields. And finally, we have to gladly and humbly relinquish our will and take his standard for our own, full of righteousness and judgment to reign in our lives and even in our country. Amen. Father, as such this morning, we thank you, O oh God, that you are our sweet, sweet Rose of Sharon, and that you are our lily of the valley, the peace that we so desperately need, our banner of love and protection, Lord, and our standard that the Spirit of God himself raises up to push out the evil among us. Father, we ask this morning that you help us to see and remember always that your banner is love and that everything you do for us, O oh God, is motivated by your love and protection over us. And Father, as Audrey said this morning, I ask, Lord, that this banner of love cover us today, Lord, with help, with peace, with sweetness, with glory, Lord, of the, of the righteousness of God in our lives. Lord, the word that came forth said that you have not relinquished your throne to another, and we stand upon that, Lord, that you are the one in control. We do not look to another, we do not look to a man, but we look to our God who bears the standard, who holds the banner over us as protection for us. Go with us, Lord Jesus. Walk before us. Cover each one. Give strength and stamina and health, O oh God, to those who are weaker. Oh, Father, I pray that every inner man be in, in, encouraged, Lord, and be endued with power from on high to walk through the thorns of this world that you have planted us in and let the light, oh God, you said that we were as lilies planted among the thorns, Lord, that your light is reflected through us back in the midst of the thorny world. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning for who you are to the church. You did not leave us alone. You did not leave us powerless, Lord, but you go with us day to day, and we're so thankful. And we ask all of these things in the matchless name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.